Cotton Patch Cafe is is a name that just sort of popped up out of nowhere for me. All of a sudden, you see them everywhere. It turns out it's been around for over 30 years. There must be a growth phase, and that's probably why they have a, a new CEO who's in. President of Cotton Patch Cafe is Scott Hudler, who joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Hey, David, thanks so much for having me. So is this, I mean, is this a growth phase? They're like 30 locations or something right now? So we've got 48 locations 48. in three states, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. Um, and, you know, Cotton Patch is a, as a brand, it's, um, it's you know, we, we don't focus on the big, huge cities. We focus on kind of the suburbs, um, smaller, smaller town locations. Well, the roots of it, I mean, it's from Nacogdoches. It was originally from Nacogdoches. Absolutely. Founded in uh, Nacogdoches, Texas in 1989. Um, So we're about 30, 33 years old. We'll be 34 this summer. Um, But yeah, so continue to grow and focus on those small towns where we're kind of big fish, small pond, if you think of it. And really, it, it ties back to our positioning of you know, we're for smaller town folks with really blue collar values and smaller town folks with blue collar values could live in Manhattan in the middle of New York City. But they they grew up in that small town. They appreciate hard work, a good value. And that's that's who we serve. So is the menu portable, too? Can you can you have the same menu in all, in all the different locations? Yeah, opening we, we have we have the same menu everywhere. I think, you know, the the. The concept of, of comfort food and, you know, cooking uh, Southern food and Texas food is so popular. I, I think we could drop a location in the middle of Manhattan and we do huge things. Without yeah, but I don't think you can call well. it a chicken fried steak if you're in Manhattan. That doesn't have to be a, <laughs> like a breaded veal cutlet or something. Yeah, we, we might have to massage some uh, some naming. Um you know, I think I, when I when I worked at Torchy's, I used to always get upset as we'd go to new markets and people would say, hey, I had your cheese dip. It's like, no, you, you had our queso. You didn't have the cheese dip. Um, so I think we got to work through that. But, yeah, I think the menu's the same everywhere. You know, we serve great food. We, we talk a lot about how our goal is to give a five-star experience at a three-star price. And we, you know, we are super sensitive to pricing, knowing that, our, our consumers in, in these towns are super sensitive to pricing as well, and we're not looking to, to gouge folks, but, you know, we focus so much on the food. I, I'm biased. I don't think we get enough credit for how good our food actually is, that everything's uh, fresh made, made from scratch there in the restaurant. And we're going to we're going to keep plugging away at that. You know, so one of the things my guess is you bring to them and one of the reasons that, that Cotton Patch thought, you know, you were really appealing to be the CEO is, you know, technology, which is not. Not something that a whole lot of CEOs really know, because you you worked in that at Dunkin' Donuts, and that's really become important for these restaurants. And if nothing else, you know, I think COVID taught them that that you've got Absolutely. to know you've got to know technology. Yeah, I think we look at it as so. Yes, I, I you know spent almost twelve years at Dunkin' Donuts. Um, it was it was Dunkin' Donuts back then, not just Dunkin'. Yeah. Um, you know, variety roles, last role as chief technology officer, getting which sounded really cool when we did it, but now it's just kind of table stakes in, in terms of getting mobile app, doing mobile ordering, building a loyalty program. But, you know, I think we looked at that and, you know, very similar mindset at Torchies, and, and I've brought that here to Cotton Patch as well as, you know, let's just be clear, we are not a technology company. I know some restaurants like to say we're a technology company that serves food. We're not confused. We are a restaurant that uses technology to enable a better guest experience, whether that's your ordering, your pickup, whatever. So we want to think about that. You know, we are, are, like I said, we're not the, you know, 
We're not going to go set up an office in Silicon Valley, but this stuff is so prevalent and it touches every single aspect of the consumer's day, how they order yeah. food, how they pick up groceries, et cetera. We've got to make sure that we're not getting left behind and we're continuing to use it as an enabler to make the experience better. But a lot of the restaurants who came out of COVID solvent and, and, and a whole lot didn't. Right. It was because of technology, because they had the ability set up to, you know, to do cashless payments and drive through windows and, and set up for delivery and the ability to order online, which is not something that, that everybody did. I guess everybody's scrambling to do it now. I think the other thing that COVID taught the restaurant industry was you can do things a lot faster than you think you could. Um, you know, what would be a, oh, this is going to be a nine month integration. You know, COVID happens. It's like, all right, we got, we got 21 days. Let's get it done and let's, let's work through that. And again, that's one of the benefits of technology. That stuff is, it just moves at a different speed than, you know, building a restaurant, you know, construction or anything like that. But you mentioned speed. I mean, coming out of this, you got to have the product. It's got to be good. It's got to be consistent. But in some cases, you have to do it with less people. I mean, it's right. it's become really difficult to hire people. And then, you know, they they want to get paid and they want to get paid a lot. So how right. do you I mean, how do you adjust la- to that? Yeah, the labor market's super tight. You know, I we're, we're not going to have uh, robots making chicken fried steak anytime soon. But we need to make sure that we have things set up. So like, you know, you used to go for an example. There's a lot of that that can be done with technology before the guest even gets to the restaurant to pick up. And so their time in the restaurant is down to a simple, hey, you know, I'm Scott Heller. I'm here to pick this up. Here you go. Thanks so much for for visiting us. There's ways to make that um, easier and more efficient. And I think the, the labor challenge is not going to go away anytime soon. It's a it's an incredibly tight labor market. Um, the restaurant business has shed a lot of people through COVID. They have figured out that there are different jobs that I can go do, and maybe I make a little a little less, maybe I make a little more, but it's it's a different environment. And they wanted to move to maybe it, maybe it's a customer service role online. It's a technology job that I can do from my house. And for for a lot of folks, that's that's a great solve. If you're a you know parent with young kids and you need to be home, that's great. But I would also say you know I think the restaurant industry has evolved very quickly in that and figured out that all right, we need to figure out a better way to take care of our general managers, take care of our servers, take care of our our back of house folks. And they need to have a good work-life balance as well. And we need to be, we, the collective, we of the restaurant space, we need to be more understanding of the challenges they have as, as parents, as caregivers, et cetera, and make sure that we're giving them that option. So they're not leaving not just our particular brand, but the industry as a whole. You know, the other uh, problem that is ongoing for your industry is our commodity prices. But then you have that layered on is a supply chain problem. Is that, you know, maybe you say, well, I'll pay anything for for chicken wings, but you just can't get them. You can't. I mean, you, you, it is. It's, and I, and I think there are, I feel like we're about to hit the inflection point. There's, there are certain groups of consumers who will continue to pay as prices go up. We, we all have stories of whether it's the grocery store, a coffee shop, a restaurant where we've all said in the past few months, wow, I used to pay X for this and now I play X plus 30%. Like it's, it's crazy, but it's the reality of what we're all dealing with. So we've had to be really smart about thinking about 
the menu and maybe there's some some items that you know we have to make a choice we we can keep it on the keep it on the menu but the price is going to have to go up because as I, as we talk a lot you know we're, we're not a nonprofit we are not yeah, a nonprofit sure. we need to make money um but for a brand such as ours where we have kind of built ourselves for 33 years on providing food at a at a super reasonable price we, we look at it a little harsher with a different lens so that item might just have to go away for a little while until prices subside on the commodity side. Um, you know, I think we've we've been pretty strategic about how we've taken price. We've had to take price, unfortunately, over the last few years, um, but we haven't done it in, you know, massive jumps. We've tried to be smarter about how we take it, knowing that if we have this concept of, you know, providing the five-star experience at a three-star price, that can't become five star experience at a five star price because that's just not that's not who we are as no, a brand. No, no, no. I understand. That, but but are you being helped by scale too? Because like I said, I didn't realize you had as many locations as you do. Right. But that must give you some heft in in buying. It does. And, you know, having forty eight locations is better than having eight, which is better than having two, um, and not as good as having forty eight hundred. Um, so yes, we we do get some scale, and you know, our menu is. You know, we we have items. We try not to have any single use items. Like we're using this item for one thing. We try and use our our items, especially thinking about proteins um, across a variety of things. So you know, we have chicken that you can get as you know grilled chicken, fried chicken tenders, and it goes in a salad as well. Uh, it also goes on a sandwich. So having those types of things where we're getting multi use out of that item helps. That, that involves, you know, a lot of sticky notes on walls trying to figure out what works. And, um, you know, we think about on a daily basis, you know, this this price is going up. OK, let's let's maybe focus on promoting this item instead. So when we talk uh, in a year, how many locations do you think you'll have? I think in a year we'll probably still be at 48, but we'll be we'll have ones either hopefully on on the books or some dirt turn to grow that. And, and all company moving. owned? All company owned. Um, and, you know, I think here's the great thing about our brand. And, and I say this a lot is we have 48 locations primarily in Texas. Um, I, I think the brand can double and potentially triple in size without ever leaving the state of Texas. Because if you think about where we are, so, you know, heavy presence in Dallas and then West Texas and East Texas. But when you get to Austin, we have two locations in, you know, the northernmost part of Austin in Round Rock and Georgetown. And then from really, you know, uh, Round Rock, you go over to San Antonio. So through some of the fastest growing areas in this country of Kyle, San Marcos, New Braunfels, no locations into San Antonio, yeah. which is a massive market. And then going over east to Houston, you know, we have one location in spring, so we have a, a huge opportunity. And that's just kind of focusing on suburbs of bigger communities, much less thinking about, you know, all the other kind of smaller locations in Texas where, where our brand would work very well. Well, I, you got a, you got a great brand. It got, got a great name too, anyway. Well, interesting yeah. to see, well, watch it continue to grow. The president of Cotton Patch Cafe is uh, Scott Huddler who joins us today. It's good to have you with us. David, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Make me hungry. For more of our conversation, go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.